You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. This is your host, Tim Link, and I'm so glad you joined us today. We've got another exciting show. My special guest today is author and writer Tom Ryan. And Tom will be discussing his uh, latest book, Following Atticus, 48 High Peaks, One Little Dog, and An Extraordinary Friendship. So I love that. We're going to explore each and every aspect of that, what he means by all that, and uh, obviously find out more about Atticus as well. So hang tight with us just for a moment. We're going to take a quick commercial break, but we're going to be coming right back with Tom Ryan talking about his book, Following Atticus. You are listening to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. Buster. You're telling me my dog food products can't go on your shelves? That's right. Didn't pass one of my Petco certified nutrition checklists. Sorry, Wayne. Who made these checklists? Geniuses. Very smart guys. Well, it's good enough for most grocery stores. Do you see cheese puffs on my shelves? Mayonnaise? Soda pop? No. That's because I ain't running no grocery store, Wayne. Your pets will get better nutrition. I guarantee it. Petco. Where healthy pets go. Go to PetLifeRadio.com slash Petco and get $6 off your order of $60 or more and up to 40% off hundreds of items at Petco. PetLifeRadio.com slash Petco. Dyson. The new Dyson Animal Backs are powerful bagless upright vacuums for homes with pets. Air muscle and radio root cyclone technology generates the strongest suction power to powerfully remove dust, dirt, and pet hair from the home or car. To order your Dyson Animal Back, go to PetLifeRadio.com forward slash Dyson. PetLifeRadio.com forward slash Dyson to order your Dyson Animal Back today. Dyson. Music to your ears. Hi, this is Ken Jones from the Prince of Ponds podcast. The frogs are shaking the shakers, the turtles are hitting the slapsticks, and the koi are blowing the trumpets. It's party time here at Prince of Ponds. Out under the swaying palm trees, the pond fairies are kicking up their heels and spinning in delight in the twilight. Here on Pet Life Radio, it's time to celebrate the magic of ponds, waterfalls, fountains, and water gardens at the Prince of Ponds podcast. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back. Thanks for listening to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. This is your host, Tim Link. Once again, I'm so glad you joined us today. Joining me now is author and writer of Following Atticus, Tom Ryan. Tom, welcome to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Thanks for having us on today. I appreciate it. Yeah, and I love that having us on because I have a feeling a beautiful little furry boy is sitting close to you. Atticus is uh, sitting right by my side, as he always is, yes. <laughs> well, somebody's got to keep you in line, right, Tom? Well, uh, that's what I say. Everyone says he looks so serious in most of his pictures, I said, because he's paying attention to how I behave myself. So, someone <laughs> needs to. Exactly. I think it's a good, good way to follow follow the lead. So uh, the book is called Falling Atticus. Tell us a little bit about the book. Ah, a little bit about the book. Well, the book goes every which way. It's about a, I guess the best way to say it, it's about a relationship. A friendship between myself and Atticus is at the heart of the book. He's a, uh, a miniature schnauzer. His predecessor was Max, who was 
short-lived rescue. I rescued him as an elderly dog. And between the two of them, I like to say, uh, sort of found my way in life by one dog who died and another one who lived. Uh, I used to be a newspaper writer in a little town called Newburyport, very controversial little political town. And I wrote about all the controversies, but it wasn't until these first maps and then Atticus showed up in my life that things started to change. And starting to change means we undertook a great quest. And like all great quests, there's tests to be faced along the way and hopefully finding your way home again. That's what's at the heart of the book. Absolutely. And we're going to talk a little bit about those those quests because I think it's kind of a – it's definitely a unique story going from uh, you know, a serious uh, newspaper writing and, and talking about uh, controversial topics to actually going on uh, great explorations with your, your best friend. So we'll get to that in a moment. But um, obviously great journeys, great stories within the book. But how did you come about uh, pulling all this together? What made you decide to say, hey, I think there's a book in here somewhere? Well, I owned a small newspaper in Newburyport, Massachusetts, called The Undertoad, and I wrote it for 11 years. So I'm a writer, and writers tell stories. When a friend of mine died of cancer, I wanted to pay tribute to her some way. And the previous year, Atticus and I had started hiking the 4,000 foot of the White Mountains and fell in love with them. And I decided a unique way to pay tribute to her and raise money in her honor for the Jimmy Fonda Dana-Farber Cancer Institute was to attempt to hike all 48 peaks in uh, 90 days, but try to do them twice in winter, so 96 peaks in 90 days. I wrote about it in my newspaper, and a fellow from Houghton Mifflin Publishing read about it in my paper, said, hey, you should write a book about that. And I said, that's kind of a nice idea. But as you read the book, you'll find out all kinds of things happened, and I never really thought about writing the book until the adventure played out. And then I thought, you know what, I think I have a story here. So I didn't end up starting the adventure to write a book, I ended up writing a book because we had this great adventure. And the great stories in here, very intriguing, heart-tugging stories, fun stories. There's a lot of good stuff in there to keep everybody intrigued and interested. But I have to ask you about your hiking journey. Had you and Atticus been big hikers to begin with and say, let's expand a little bit further? Or is it just something where maybe you looked out the window and said, it'd be interesting to walk up there? My brothers were hikers. And, um, I wasn't. I was very sedentary. I weighed about 300 pounds. I could barely walk a block up the street to my apartment from the newspaper stand without uh, my back hurting and being out of breath. So once Atticus came into my life as a puppy, I started uh, becoming more active, watching myself, taking get better care of myself so I could take better care of him. And after about two and a half years, one of my brothers said, would you like to do a hike with us? Uh, and I did. Atticus and I joined them, and uh, we got to the top of that first peak, and it was horrible getting up that mountain. <laughs> but once we got to the top, the view was just something I'd never imagined. It was really heaven on earth. And that was in September. And all the rest of the autumn and all through the winter, I could only think about those mountains. So Atticus and I returned that next summer, and we did something a bit unusual. We hiked to each of the 48, 4,000 footers in 11 weeks in our first summer of hiking. And we fell in love then and just kept going. Wow, that's amazing. That's amazing. And when you talked about the you know, 96 peaks in 90 days, we're not just talking about summertime hiking. No, our quest undertook, it was taken in winter. Only one person had ever done it, a very intense, I would say, a woman who's almost call her professional mountaineer. Only one dog had ever done the 4,000-footers in winter once, never mind trying to do two rounds, and that was a 160-pound Newfoundland. So we were going out about a different way. It was our second year of hiking. As I say, uh, little dogs, middle-aged, 
overweight, out of shape, newspaper editors with a paralyzing fear of heights don't belong in the mountains, especially in winter. So what the heck were they doing up there? Oh, my gosh. And when you think about it, you know, uh, as we know, if you're looking on the cover, you've got a beautiful picture of, um, of Atticus here. He's a schnauzer, as you mentioned, a miniature schnauzer, beautiful boy. But we know schnauzers. Schnauzers are very, very intelligent, but they also can get very, very distracted by uh, fun critters and things running around. How did you keep Atticus focused on his goal, your guys' goal of climbing those peaks, or was it perhaps the other way around? Yeah, and I think that's where the title comes from. Good point. Following Atticus, I, I didn't have to really teach him much. I had a great breeder. When you read the book, you'll find out she's very intuitive and um, she has a different approach. And for the first month or two I had him, I didn't know how to raise a puppy. I had rescued Max about 11 years of age. So she gave me a lot of advice. But uh, the main piece of advice was the first month or two, carry him everywhere you go. It would create a bond, and she had this great southern accent. She said, you all won't need a leash after that. You all work it out. <laughs> and uh, sure enough, we haven't had a leash on for years. As you know, that's unusual with a schnauzer. And on the trail, unlike most dogs who run back and forth, in and out of the woods, or the joke is when you hike with a dog, they hike the mountain three times, and they're back and forth, back and forth. <laughs> but not with Addie. Addie uh, walks a constant 20 yards ahead of me at the most, 10 to 20 yards, and just stays there. If I sit down, he sits if I open up my backpack, he comes back because he knows he's going to retreat. And if it's winter time and I slip and fall, he comes back and stands in my chest to find out what's wrong as I'm laying in the snow. But all I can say is he was somewhat atypical for a schnauzer uh, as far as the hyperactive thing. He doesn't bark when we've encountered bear and moose in the trail. He just sits and watches them. I'm very fortunate to have a dog, as I point out to all on our book tour. The secret to our success is having a dog that's smarter than the person. And with us, it was pretty easy. <laughs> exactly. I think that's the case in most uh, most cases there, Tom. But it's true. We talked off air briefly. I've got uh, two beautiful schnauzers of my own, and uh, they're very quiet, very focused, uh, very uh, intelligent dogs, except for when there's movement around the perimeter, you know, the, the squirrel running by or the uh, feral cat that, that we take care of. And then uh, they definitely open up their vocal cords. But it sounds like Atticus knows exactly when not to do those things. Well, he doesn't bark. He probably barks about five times a year, and that's playtime with us. A very, very rare occasion that you hear a sound from him. And there's a scene in the book you'll find very interesting since schnauzers were bred as ratters, mm-hmm. that a uh, small mouse takes refuge under his legs, and Atticus sits and looks down at him and watches him for several minutes while he's literally leaning against one of Atticus's legs. So again, I never pretend to understand why he's the way he is. I just know he's a little bit different than most. Exactly. Now, I know you said he uh, tends to walk 20 paces in front of you and then waits for you to catch up uh, if necessary. But there is one little story here uh, about him going off on a little escapade, uh, sort of the little Buddha story where he goes and enjoys the mountains uh, a little bit ahead of pace of you. Oh, that one time going up Mount Whiteface. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's no secret on the book jacket that, um, and it's, we've been on Animal Planet on Dogs 101, so it's well publicized that Atticus uh, becomes blind during our story. And uh, sitting on top of the snowy peak is the second winter, it's the winter after his eyesight has been restored. And he's just going up there, and I can't find him, can't find him. I finally look at the highest point of the mountain, and there he is sitting off with his new eyes looking off into the distance. And, uh, you know, it was one of those moments that I will never forget when you uh, see someone who really appreciates a joy that's been restored to them. 
Yeah, it's amazing. And, and you know, I find at least with my schnauzers, it's um, also just being part of that environment, feeling that energy as well. My boy Woody had developed SARDS, a sudden retinal degeneration. So he lost his eyesight over overnight and lived a year and a half uh, with no eyesight. And my boy uh, Buzz, he has um, got some cataracts, got some issues with some eyesight. But I think it's a combination of being in the moment as well. And, and there's nothing more surreal, nothing more energizing, nothing more uh, spiritual uh, than going up into those mountains and uh, hiking and sitting there and just being one with nature. No, oh, yeah, I think you're right. The whole thing of being one with nature, or in our case, being two. In community, in society, it's, it's set up for people. And we have to make sure they're safe, when to cross the street, what stores they can again not go into, what other people are accepted around, what other dogs are safe to be around. But in the woods, Atticus seemed to take control. He became more of who he was. He became freer. He became happier. And as I write, I became less, less stressed, less harried, less um, less crazed. And we both sort of fit in, but our roles reversed a little bit in the woods. Being in the woods, being in the mountains, sitting by streams, it uh, was a wonderful communion between uh, two different species where we sort of bridged the gap between ourselves. Absolutely. Yeah, it can definitely do that for you. Now, Atticus, coming into your life, how did you guys uh, join together? It, was it a, uh, a thought of, hey, I want a schnauzer now, or was it uh, a little bit grander uh, notion than that? Well, uh, Max came to me sort of by happenstance, I would run free ads in my paper where people needed help doing things. And someone said, I have an elderly schnauzer who belongs to someone else and they're going to have him brought to a shelter. He'll probably most likely be put down unless we can find him a home. And I said, well, I meant to say, all right, I'll run an ad. But somehow in the email, I responded, I'll take him. (laughs) And um, I hadn't had a dog in years and he was a very troubled soul. had lived the better part of 11 years in cellars of two different members of the same family. (sighs) And, um, he educated me on how to take care of him for over a year and a half. We became very close, just like Atticus would end up after the first few months. He was off leash, walking up and down the streets in Newburyport right by my side. But when he died, I tried to rescue another elderly schnauzer, looking around wherever I could find one. I couldn't find one. Finally found a couple of, a couple of them down in the mid-Atlantic states, uh, brother and sister, who had to go together. And they hadn't found anyone who would take them for several months. And so I said, I'll take them. And did the lengthy hour-long interview process, and it all went great. And I said, you'll be wonderful. Thank goodness we finally found a home for them. And I made the mistake of saying, if they do great like Max did, if they're wonderful off-leash, they're going to love running on the beach up here and being in the woods up here. And new report, and she said, you would let the dogs off-leash? And I said, oh. <laughs> if, if they're good with it, I would. And she said, then you don't deserve a dog. Oh. And she hung up, and the interview was over. So uh, wow. I went on something like puppies.com and entered a database and started looking for schnauzer pups. And one southern breeder who plays a big part in the book, her name is Paige Foster, she responded and she uh, kept responding, even though I was being inundated with pictures of schnauzer pups. And how he comes into my life becomes a main point in the book. So everybody definitely had to read the story because it is a wonderful, fascinating story. And it's real interesting, you know, because I'm deeply involved in animal rescue and uh, formerly um, president of a local uh, no-kill shelter here in the Atlanta area. And uh, at times, yeah, some of the uh, rules and regulations uh, tend to get a little bit tight, a little bit uh, too much at times. And so I encourage the listeners out there to take a look at the whole situation and the person adopting the animal. Uh, maybe you had to bend those rules a little bit to find their best situation. But I guess it led you to the right place at the right time anyway, because it was obvious that Atticus was uh, meant to be with you. 
fate plays a part in all great adventures, I think. You know, you, you never, I would say with friendships, love, adventures, you never know when they're going to start. All of them seem to happen when you're doing something else. I mean, look at The Hobbit. Bilbo Baggins is sitting in his little hobbit hole, having a cup of tea or whatever, and a wizard knocks on the door and says, hey, you're coming with us. He refers to it, Joseph Campbell, the mythologist, refers to it, the hero's journey. We're minding our own business, living the life we think we're supposed to be living, when suddenly something happens to throw us off track to give us a chance to live the life we're supposed to be living. You just have to listen to those little voices or those little uh, connections in order to be able to find it and follow it. And it's easy to ignore them. <laughs> it's more comfortable <laughs> to ignore them. When you don't ignore them, you go on these great adventures and you, it's, you know, the ground sweeps out from underneath your feet. You don't know exactly where you're going to end up and nothing's familiar anymore, but um, it's part of being alive. That's right. That's great. All right, we're going to take a quick commercial break here, uh, but we're going to come right back, continue our conversation with Tom Ryan and his book, Following Atticus. Everybody stay tuned. You're listening to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. Every pet is unique. Maybe they're gray in the muzzle, yet young at heart. Maybe they're growing out of the puppy stage and into their paws and ears. Or maybe they're just trying to maintain a more girlish figure. At PetSmart, we have the right food for your pet at a great value for you. PetSmart. Be better together. Go to PetLifeRadio.com slash PetSmart and save up to 30% on toys, collars, leashes, PetSmart gift cards, treats, and more. Go to PetLifeRadio.com slash PetSmart today. Love your pets but wish their medications were a lot less expensive? They are at 1-800-PET-MEDS. You'll not only save on flea and heartworm medications, but on prescriptions for arthritis, incontinence, thyroid, and more. And you get fast service, free shipping, and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Plus, our licensed pharmacists ensure accuracy, monitor drug interaction, and more. See why over 5 million people have trusted their pet's health to 1-800-PET-MEDS, America's largest pet pharmacy. Call now or order online. Go to PetMeds.com forward slash Lucky, L-U-C-K-Y, to get 10% off any order and free shipping on orders of $39 or more at PetMeds.com. I don't make any decisions about who to hire without going to Angie's List first. You'll find reviews on home repair to health care written by people just like you. With Angie's List, I know who to call and I know the results will be fantastic. Angie's List, who you can trust. Go to Angie'sList.com forward slash rights and get 25% off any subscription. That's Angie'sList.com forward slash rights, W-R-I-T-E-S. Welcome to Sassy Seniors, a show about our fabulous older dogs and cats. I'm your host, Kelly Jackson. You know, I wanted to create a show to really showcase our senior pets. And you know, as the human population ages and lives longer, of course, so are our wonderful pets. But many of us with aging pets, it's so interesting. We have a tough time realizing or really admitting that they are seniors. So in a way, I kind of like to think of our senior pets as, as wise puppies. What do you think about that? Be sure to join us for another day of Sassy Seniors. And remember, celebrate your senior pets. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. 
Let's Talk Pets. Let's Talk Pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Uh, this is your host, Tim Link, and I'm here with Tom Ryan, author of the latest book, uh, Following Atticus. Now, Tom, you and Atticus had a uh, special induction into a Hall of Fame recently. Tell us a little bit about that. We spent two winters raising funds. The first winter was raising funds for the uh, Jimmy Fund and Dana Farber. Cancer Institute. The second winter was raising money for Angel Animal Medical Center, a wonderful nonprofit hospital in the Boston area that helps thousands upon thousands of animals a year. And um, after that second winter, uh, the MSPCA, Massachusetts Society of Prevention of Cruelty to Animals, awarded us co-recipients of their annual Human Hero Award. And we were inducted in the MSPCA's Hall of Fame at the John F. Kennedy Presidential Library on and on the same night that Emmylou Harris, the singer, was honored for her lifetime achievement. So it was, it was a really special evening. Fantastic. And both you uh, and Atticus got to walk the red carpet? We did. Everyone knows. Uh, I have to say this about people who know us best, that uh, we're together. I love, adore, will always be thankful for my editor, Ed William Morrow, which is a subdivision of HarperCollins. Her name is Cassie Jones. When we were talking and advertising and marketing publicity came up with the term Tom Ryan and his dog, I said, that won't work. <laughs> she said, well, why not? And I said, well, say, for instance, you and your husband, Cal, go off and do something amazing. And it says, Cal and his wife. And she said, I get it. I said, yeah, it's equal billing. So they understand that when it's Tom Ryan, former newspaper man, it's Atticus M. Finch, Minister Schnauzer. When it's Ryan, it's Finch. When it's Tom, it's Atticus. So not just by name, but the idea that we go place it together. So wherever we go on book tour, he has to be allowed. Everything has been catered so that he gets an equal billing. And why not? It's his story. It's his journey as well. That's right. It's his beautiful mug on the front cover. <laughs> well, I would say he's the brains, brawn, and beauty of this operation. I just write the story and pick up the poop. That's right. Somebody's got to carry the treats around. <laughs> Tom, after uh, our readers read the book, Following Atticus, tell us a little bit about what you hope they walk away from. Is there one thing or is there multiple things you want the uh, readers to walk away from after reading the book? As a writer, I'm the school of thought that I don't try to um, convince anyone of anything. I'm one of those writers who'd rather stimulate thought or, or emotions. And we've had such great success since it's come out in September. It came out September 20th. And literally, I get probably 20 emails a day from people I've never met before. And our Facebook page is starting to flourish more and more. And what I'm hearing more than anything is that um, on a superficial level, I love my dog more now because of this. Or I reconnected with my father. Or... I love nature more, you put in words. But what I'm happiest about is hearing people say, you took a chance, you stepped away from your life, you, you, know, you were leading a comfortable life, you were leading a life you were very familiar with for 40 years, and you did something completely different. And you know what, I'm gonna follow my dreams now. And to hear that from some people, especially people who don't always read, and for some reason someone gave them the book and said, I don't read, but we've had a lot of first-time readers, and they said we just fell into it, and it makes me want to do something that I've never done before. And that excites me as a writer. Very powerful, very uh, inspirational. And I'm sure it was something that you hadn't thought of uh, going into writing the book. You don't necessarily think, wow, I want to inspire people necessarily. You want to tell a story about your boy. Yeah, it's funny how I, how I went about it. I signed the contract with HarperCollins. And I had eight months to write the book. 
we'd given the first 50 pages of the book and given a proposal of what it would look like. And I wrote it. My agent said, how's it going three weeks beforehand? I said, it's done. He said, good, good. All right, let's take a look at it. And I said, but I'm not happy with it. I felt like I wrote it for other people. And so I just threw it away. He said, you threw it away. <laughs> I said, I said, yes. He said, you threw eight months of work. I said, yeah. I said, it's just not right. I'm going to start over. He said, you only have three weeks. So what I did with each chapter was pretending, I don't have children, but I pretended I had grandchildren. And I wanted to know the story of my friend, Atticus M. Finch. And I wanted to write it in a more tender way, a less analytical way. And so I wrote to my imaginary grandchildren. Each chapter was a letter to them. And I turned it in on time. And it worked well, thankfully. Fantastic. So doing it the right way, the way it comes from your heart, uh, made it flow much easier. Yeah, no one will accuse me of being too smart or too analytical. I'm a passionate man, whether it's good or bad. But um, as you know, with the dogs in your life, that's where they connect with you anyways. Friendships, lovers, animals, family members. When it really connects, it comes in the heart. It has nothing to do with the head. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and you can't force a good story. You know, a story needs to flow, and it has to come from the heart. And though us writers tend to uh, wait till the last minute sometimes to get stories in, but those are stories not necessarily coming from our heart. Right. Well, you sum it up. The best stories do come in the heart. You know, if you start with the head too much, you think too much about what people want. If you go with your passions and your heart, you get it there, and then you use the head to whittle it down and make it a little bit cleaner, I believe. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I have to ask you, compare the process, the process of being a publisher and editor of a newspaper that goes out compared to putting your, your thought and your heart into putting together a book. Someone stopped me. We live in a small town in Jackson, New Hampshire, now up in the White Mountains. And someone stopped me the other day and he said, I didn't know this about you. You've lived here for two and a half years and we always see you and Atticus walking around town, but we didn't know that much about you. Boy, you had a crazy life. There were death threats, there were slash tires, there were all kinds of things going through your life back in Newburyport. But it seems to me you had more courage writing out your feelings for your father, writing about heartache when Max died and when Atticus went through some trials and tribulations. He said, you really revealed yourself. He said, that must have been really difficult. And I said, well, Dick, one of the things that being a newspaper man taught me was we're all screwed up. (laughs) (laughs) The only difference was I I admit to mine. So I actually feel uh, a bit emboldened to... uh, being a newspaper man gave me an understanding of what the human condition was. And putting it out there, I think it horrifies some people. I think some of my brothers, this is a horrified about some of the things I wrote about the family, which is not overly personal, but in a stilted Irish Catholic family, just to even say the word love before letter word. So the idea of saying anything about family in a memoir is difficult, but it's a different process when you're writing about crooked cops who are going through your trash or a dishonest mayor as compared to revealing uh, what's within yourself. I always say that Atticus in my life uh, made the difference of me paying attention to what was outside. And I knew everything that was going on in the city of Newburyport, but little about myself. And in the end, after traveling with him and constantly going through life, even today with him, that I know more about myself than I used to. So the journey has become more uh, internal. Yeah, so the journey continues just in a different uh, method or different uh, process. Right. And uh, someone once said, a a much smarter man than me once said, the world's a mess. It will always be a mess. Don't worry about it. Just clean up your own act and that will make the world a better place. That's (laughs) what I concentrated on doing. There you go. Good words to live by. So, Tom, we're we're coming close to the end of the show here. Where can listeners find out more about the book following Atticus and uh, also your guys' continued adventures? 
Well, we have a Facebook page. Facebook is everywhere, and it's amazing how much it works. We've had some book signings where the store did not bring in anyone, but the uh, Facebook page did. You can just look for a following Atticus on Facebook, or you can Google Tom and Atticus, and you'll come to our blog, which was just named a blog of note by Blogger. Uh, They choose 365 blogs a year throughout the world, and we were just chosen as one. Mm -hmm. Um, You can also go to Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or your local independent bookstore. I love shopping at my indie bookstores. That's where I do most of my shopping. Yeah, it's fun and really intimate in the indie stores. So I, I think you're spot on with that. You know, word of mouth is everything, and that's how they push it. It's, uh, it's great. If they love a book and they embrace it, then they'll let you know. That's right. And you form those close, close-knit relationships with your uh, local uh, indie uh, bookstores. So everybody, uh, take a look. Go on Facebook, uh, follow me in Atticus, and uh, definitely take a look at what Atticus and Tom are up to. Keep track of them through their blog. Everybody pick up a book. It's fantastic. It's called Following Atticus, 48 High Peaks, One Little Dog, and an Extraordinary Friendship. Tom, thanks for coming on the show today. We really appreciate it. We feel honored. Thank you. I know you're a busy guy, so I really appreciate being guests on your show. Our pleasure. Our pleasure. Give Atticus a little extra belly rub from us. Thank you. All right. We're coming to the uh, end of the show today. Uh, I want to thank our listeners for listening to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Uh, Once again, thanks uh, to Tom Ryan. Uh, his wonderful book, uh, Following Atticus. Thanks for Atticus for keeping Tom in line during the interview. I know it's a full-time job, so we appreciate that. So thanks to our sponsors and for our wonderful producer for making this show possible. Really, really appreciate that. To find out more about me, Tim Link, and the other guests that I have interviewed on the Animal Rights Show, you can visit Pet Life Radio. Go to PetLifeRadio.com, click on Animal Rights, check out the blogs, check out this show and download it, as well as the other shows we have on the Animal Rights Show. And while you're there, be sure to check out all the other wonderful hosts and shows that we have on Pet Life Radio. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for the show, please email me. You can email me at Tim at PetLifeRadio.com. That's Tim at PetLifeRadio.com, and I'll be glad to answer any questions you have, entertain any comments you have, uh, any ideas you have for the show, and the authors, writers, bloggers that you want to hear from the most. Let me know who they are, and I'll do my very best to bring them on board. So until next time, write a great story about the animals in your life, share it in a blog, article, or in a book. And who knows, you may be the next guest on Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Thanks for joining us. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.